morning, everybody. Um, this is my first time up here preaching. I'd just like to take a minute to thank my dad, Brother Dwayne, and Brother Brent for all their support. And um, good job on that sermon, Travis. Today we'll be starting in Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. So if everyone could just, you know, turn the Bibles there. All right, we all there? Good. But before we start today, can we have a little prayer? Dear Lord, soften everyone's heart to your word this morning. May we just be like clay in your hands. And Lord, help me today, too, to read, to teach your word well. And may you receive all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's do this thing. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of, our, of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive again through Christ. By grace we have been saved. We see that this passage is divided into two parts. These will be the two points in today's sermon. We were dead, but God. Let's go ahead and um, start with the first point. We were dead. Now, the passage we just read was addressing believers. It is telling us, it is telling that us believers were dead also. It reinforces Romans 3.23, which states that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This reminds me of a revelation I had on the night of the 29th when I was working through this passage. I realized my own lostness before I came to Christ. Though I was saved at the age of seven, once I understood my sin and where my sin was sending me, I was just as lost as any adult who didn't know Christ, perhaps even an atheist out denying the very existence of God himself. Though I was young, once I learned about my sin, that we have to understand, though, that Paul was telling us that we all start from the same spiritual condition, that we were all spiritually dead, that we were just dead. Before we move on, let's talk about what spiritual death is and what its consequences are. Now, going back to Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Spiritual death, that is. Well, it also, well, when spiritual death came to be was when Ad, God made Adam and Eve. Things were going great at first. Adam, Eve, and God would fellowship for hours and hours. The Bible actually speaks of God walking among Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. There was only one rule, and that was not to eat from the forbidden tree of knowledge of good and evil. However, man, being weak to temptation, gave in and ate the fruit after being tempted by Satan. This was bad news for mankind. But what we need to get straight is that it wasn't the act of eating the apple or whatever fruit was growing from the tree that was the sin. It was the fact that Adam and Eve rebelled against God. It wasn't their action. It was their heart. God, not being able to accept impurity, had to force them out into the world. This little series of events was called the fall of man. This was the advent of sin, the willful willful rebellion from God, the cause of man's separation from God. This sin was what caused the mass of spiritual death that followed. Again, it wasn't the action itself that was the sin. It was the rebellion in their hearts. This rebellion is present in every last one of us here today. Our world, from its beginning, has proven this to be true. 
if you look in history between the fall of man and Christ, you would see a lot of bloodshed, pain, and despair. For example, take the sacrifices of the Old Testament. The high priest had to spill the blood of an animal over the altar to temporarily atone for the sins of the people. And he could only do this after lots of ritual cleansing. Another example is the several wars of the Old Testament. These wars were littered with death and despair. Also, just look at all the evil kings of the Israelites. For example, take King Ahab. He was quite possibly the most wicked, vile king in all of Israel's history. He was married to Jezebel, worshipped Bel, was guilty of murder and thievery, did not execute the wickedest of criminals and murders, yet killed thousands of God's people, and much more that I simply do not have time to listen to this sermon. There were also many more incidents of sin, man's sinfulness in the Old Testament. Just look at the homosexuals of Sodom and Gomorrah, the golden calf, the prophets of the Baal cult, and their sacrifices of small children to Baal. These were all symptoms of the heart of rebellion we all have. It is proof of our spiritual death. It doesn't take much looking at our world today to see rampant spiritual death and decay. We still live among this stuff. Now, if you go back to Romans 6.23 again, you see that states that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is hell. That's right. The spiritually dead, i.e. the unsaved, i.e. those that do not know Christ, are doomed to hell. However, there is hope. This brings me to my second point. It is two words that should make every believer shout with joy. Two words that define history. The two most important words in human history to any believer. But God. Go back to Ephesians 2, but this time just go to 4 through 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive... Together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Now, this passage says we are spiritually dead, and God, but God made us alive. Now this brings me to Colossians 2, 13 through 14. If everyone could go ahead and turn there. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. It says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh... God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all our trespasses, by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Just reading this verse and shivers down my spine. Now, since we've already discussed spiritual death and the legal demands for it, God and that God cannot tolerate impurity. We know that God cannot tolerate impurity. Sin is impurity, therefore God cannot tolerate sin. And since we are all sinful, God cannot tolerate us. And since God cannot tolerate us, we are all doomed to hell. And Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin are death. We are all sinners, therefore we are all dead. Because we are dead, we are hopeless. Because it's pretty much common knowledge that a dead man cannot save himself. But then Jesus came along. Jesus, who was God in the flesh, came down and died on the cross. This he set aside, nailing to the cross, is what that verse in Colossians said. He took our sin, our death, our impurity, and our debt and its demands and removed it from us and took it upon himself. He took it upon himself when he was nailed to that cross. There on top of Golgotha, Jesus died. The veil was torn in two, and three days later, he just came back up from the dead. (laughs) 
Because of this sacrifice, we have an opportunity to avoid the debts that stand against us with their legal demands. When he died, he gave us a chance to avoid hell. He gave us a chance for freedom from spiritual death. Going back to that passage in Ephesians, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive again in Christ. And one more thing. So we don't make the mistake of thinking we had anything to do with our salvation. Just go back to Romans 6.23. For the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life and Jesus our Lord. It was all Jesus. You know, since this is my first time up here preaching, and I'm not sure if I can fully convey the cross articulately enough in this message, I brought this video along to help me. Go ahead. people watching this video and in this room who are not trusting Jesus Christ and therefore can only expect condemnation. And so I'm just going to plead with you. Lay down that rebellion. Lay it down. And simply embrace the gospel that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Righteous One, died for your sins. He was raised on the third day, triumphant over all His enemies. He reigns until He puts all of His enemies under His feet. Forgiveness of sins and a right standing with God comes freely through Him alone by faith alone.
just pray with me for a minute Lord just let this video really take impact with everyone just let the message of the beauty of what you did for us at the cross just set in and impact everyone here Lord thank you thank you so much if it wasn't for you we would all be doomed to hell right now with Every head bowed and all eyes closed, I have an offer for pretty much everyone here. First, I'd like to talk to you all here who do not have a faith in Christ. My plea is that you would let him save you. That you would let him save you from spiritual death and from hell. Just come from death to life. From darkness to light. Brother Brent will be down front in a moment and come and meet him here. He will take you to the word and walk you through how to come to faith in Christ. Even while you're still dead, Christ has made a way for you to be alive. But you have to trust in Christ and what he did on the cross. Place your faith in Christ. Trust his sacrifice on the cross. Ask him into your life and give him all of your heart and life to him. The other group of people I would like to address are the other Christians in the room. What I want the sermon to do for you is to help you fall in love with Christ all over again. You might want to come to the altar and give him praise for making you alive. If you would like to put your faith in Christ or just come up to the altar and thank him for what he did in your life, please come to the altar now. Brother Brent would be happy to pray with you.